I was going to spend some good time making a cold open, but in honor of National Procrastination Week, I said, screw it. We're going to get into some things that are fun, including the outfield on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, we might not have spent a lot of time on the cold open, but we have spent a good 30 minutes, it feels like, doing math before the show between Justin and I. Uh, we're going to do some baseball math. So if you like to crack people in math, here's your golden opportunity today. Uh, that's Justin. I am Jeff. I want to thank you for making Long Term Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. And I also want to say, uh, you know, we got the Guardians covered, your team, every day. That being said, let's... Let's talk about the outfield. Um, you know, the Cleveland Guardians are going to, they're having Tyler Freeman play out there. They're having Gabby Arias play out there. We know, you know, that uh, more and more the Oscar Gonzalez hype train is leaving the station full speed ahead. Uh, I saw Zach Meisel also quoting someone about Freddie Sr. So uh, that's, that's going. Now, if he is an above average player, it's going to be disappointing. And I'm going to be sitting back going like, no, that's a great outcome. Uh, the hype train's a little too hot. A little too hot, no, a little too fast, I guess. But uh, yeah, Gonzalez, you got Straw, you got Quan, you got Brennan, you got Gabby Arias, you got Tyler Freeman, you got uh, George Valera. If his wrist doesn't fall off, uh, you've got you know, uh, just it feels like so many names for a franchise who, since they returned their greatest outfielder, since they returned since the year 2000, uh, since I guess football returned, the greatest outfielder this team has produced is Luke Scott. You know, number two is Ryan Church. Number three is Stephen Kwan in terms of war. Four, I believe, is Tyler Naquin, who would have taken MLC this past offseason. Uh, they have an embarrassment of riches all of a sudden. Uh, I think, well, let me do some basic math before I kick it to Justin. So here's your chance to correct us. Justin did the research that the Guardians had about 2,000 plate appearances last year um, with their outfielders. So we're, we're not going to get like, Say we're not going to guess that someone had like 531. We're just going to try to keep it at mostly bigger numbers. We're going to do some some estimating here. So 2,000 plate appearances um, for both of us. You know, it was kind of easy with Straw and Quan both being around 600. Uh, the other thing is, I was able to find data from 2020 that implied that imply it stated that 28 uh, percent of innings pitched were by lefties. So if you look at it that way, of those 2,000 plate appearances, about 560 are against left-handed pitching. So that also can kind of come back around into some of our data. So I also wanted to throw that out there. I have now talked for the first three minutes. Justin, why don't you lead us off on your thoughts? And then uh, I'll respond with uh, where we massively disagree, like always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, if you saw the Jeff's open, he said the word math. You know that uh, I was terrified if you were watching on YouTube. that math is not my thing. And I'm the one who suggested doing this math. So clearly this is going to go well for me. Um yeah, so roughly 2,000 plate appearances for outfield. That doesn't include, like, outfielders who DH'd or played another position. This is strictly for when guys played the outfield. So, like, I'll just go back and tell you last year, Stephen Kwan um, had 630 plate appearances in an outfielder. I think he had um, a bunch of those, you know, some of those as a DH. So I have to go back and look. Oh, oh no, Jeff, our math is bad. That is all. That It's, it's, already, it's already ruined. Uh, this is for any position. It didn't just say keep to the outfield. It didn't, it didn't, the math didn't co- math correctly here. Anyway, we can still do it this way. Um, 
but we can still make it work DH wise. So we can still say these guys can move around. So yeah. this is 2000 plate appearances by guys who were considered outfielders, not necessarily playing the outfield. I'd have to go and, and do, go a little bit. I, I think it's this. safe to stick with that overall. Cause it's like, I mean, Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan were about 600 each. And yeah. you know, they, they were pretty much everyday players, but they didn't play every, every day. They did have a few days off in there. Right. But I think 2000, when you just look at those two, um and extrapolate from there it's logical a third guy would be 1800 and then you assume some guys having some off days you know that those guys played in the 150s so getting another 200 or so played appearances over those like 20 missed games between the three of them um is logical so i think 2000 is still logical even though it is not exactly dead on yeah and you know nine guys played the outfield last year for cleveland so my man and the reason we're doing this experiment too is 10 played out there nine got played appearances that we found yeah, yeah, Ernie Clement had some time in the outfield, and it doesn't look like he had a plate appearance as, as an outfielder last year. So the reason we're doing this experiment, too, is because I think all of the Roman Quinn talk that, that's been happening, this is why we're like, okay, let's let's sit down and break. How, how does the outfield shape up for Cleveland? How do you dole out playing time? Because as Jeff said, you know, Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw are taking the bulkier bats in two positions, so right field's kind of open, and then you have whoever gives these two guys a day off um, and, and factor into the playing time. So how how does Cleveland map out their playing time this year? And this is pro- this is how we would do it. And obviously, there's going to be injuries and, and things we don't account for. Um, but this is really this experiment came up because of all the Roman Quinn talk. And for the record, I still don't believe Quinn is going to make the roster. I just don't see how they make it fit. I mean, even if you put Morris and and just on the uh, the 60 day IL to start with, I don't know how you get a backup catcher and an outfielder. Plus you need another reliever if those two guys go on the IL. So I don't see how that works unless they DFA Jason Bills, which they might. So I don't know, but the, 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 the moves on those don't look like they're going to be easy. So let's just assume that Roman Quinn is not making the roster or you, or you could assume Roman Quinn's making the roster. I don't know. But the reason we're doing this is to show how the outfield can, t- can pan out. So yeah, I've got Quan at 600 plate appearances leading off. That's pretty easy to assume. He's going to play most days. I actually bumped Miles Straw's plate appearances down to 450 because remember he spent most of last season, or I should say the first half of last season as the leadoff hitter. So him hitting ninth every day should uh, touch into those a little bit. And I think maybe they'll give him some days off and maybe they'll split time for him as a, as a defensive replacement or he'll not play against some right-handers. I got 450 for him. And I have 350 for Oscar Gonzalez. And again, that doesn't include necessarily him DHing and things like that. I also gave 350 to Will Brennan to kind of split those up. So that's another 700. And then after that, I've just got kind of some extras. Like they want Josh Naylor to be able to play some outfield. So I gave him 50 plate appearances in the outfield. If you want to have him spend the day in the outfield, I guess that's, you know, I, that's I think that's more chatter than believe. Maybe. I mean, just, yeah. Like, He's not gonna. He shouldn't be playing against lefties, and then you're really gonna move him out there. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just put fifty there just to have it, um, and I could even take that away because the thing is, you're just gonna need some backup. So I yeah. and I gave fifty to Richie Palacios because it seems like at some point he's gonna play if they don't move him, uh, whether that's through injury or just making the bench or a call up or something. And then you know, hundred for George Valera. I don't know how he gets a hundred. But, uh, you know, maybe he does get 100 somehow, some way. And by the way, Cleveland did release an update on Saturday about his wrist. He has right wrist inflammation. Uh, nothing more on that, but that was the wrist he had the surgery on. So nothing more on that. And then I, I just have an extras, an extras tab for 
you know, anybody else who comes up to play the outfield. And and one of those tabs I also left open for Mike Capriz. So maybe, maybe somehow, some way Mike Capriz gets a hundred outfield at bats. I don't know, but so 600 for Quan, 450 for straw. I split 700 between Gonzalez and Brennan between right field and DH or whatever, 50 for Palacios. And then there's two, 200 plate appearances up for grabs between Valera and, and somebody extra like Preeze or Quinn or, um, Naylor, I suppose. So that's how you get, that's how I got the 2000. And I think that allows you to take advantage of both Brennan and, uh, Gonzalez on the roster without having to make any real additional moves. So, uh, Quan at 600, uh, straw at five, just figuring that they might, you know, try to get him some more rest against some harder guys, stuff like that. So I get you 1100. So I still have another 900 to go 400 to Gonzalez. Now I think Gonzalez will also get a lot of time at DH because that's what I talked about with that idea that of these, uh, at bats about 560 of them will come against lefties. If you split that up amongst three positions, now I got to do even quicker math in my head. That's what one six of what about 150 per outfield, uh, outfielder. So, you know, that means that maybe 150 extra at bats instead of being in the outfield, maybe he's the DH and Josh Bell is playing first. So I have him at, um, 400 with the thought that you would do another 150 or so at the DH position. So right now I've got about 500 left. I've got 300 of, uh, I'm going to say about 400 to Brennan in some form or another. I, I debated 350 or 400. I'll just go ahead and put the four on it for now. And then for me, I have a hundred that I'm looking at, you know, if they decide to play Gabby out there because Tito has a history of playing infielders in the outfield, you know, long Ernie Clement, Mike Freeman, uh, Michael Martinez, uh, those guys do pop up out there. I do think Mike Capriz has a chance. I, I'm not going to bet on Valera right now just because of the health and everything else. But I, you know, I made a, a statement last week about how I thought there was a pathway for Preeze as kind of that guy who can come out and do a lot of things and be that player. But yeah, we're not dissimilar. But I, I think, you know, at its core, it comes down to the expecting to get more than half of those at bats between Quan. Uh, and um and straw and then gonzalez and how much we're actually gonna you know is he gonna be kind of moved around a little bit more yeah i mean you can give all those to Quan in left field and just have somebody back him up whether that's brennan or gonzalez or palacios or whoever is extra out there and straw you know you're back i think you can live with brennan backing him up i would i mean he's played fine center and in the minors and they seem reluctant to want to put Quan in center field and I don't think they should put Palacios out there either. So, yeah, it just yeah. depends on who who the extras are. I mean, this doesn't account for injuries and things like that. It depends on how things shake out. But, I mean, that's 700 plate appearances I've got between Gonzalez and Brennan. I think that's pretty good. And that, that should cover, you know, right field, center field, and, and DH quite a bit for the season with, with having other guys they can shift around. Speaking of things that are good – Let's we're going to come back and talk about some of the rule change stuff uh, that people have been discussing, as well as um, getting into maybe ways to replace Sam Henches. First, let's talk about something that is fantastic, and that is Built Bar. I, I was tempted to make a fake trumpet sound, but decided it's the best for all of us if I don't do that. So right now at Built Bar, uh, vanilla cream is back. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar on that one. Uh, additionally, this is a nice one for me. I always thought they did really chocolate is one of the things they do well. And their double chocolate is a new and improved flavor. That is already one of my favorites. 
the double chocolate, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar. And now it is a new and improved flavor. So that makes me even more tempted to do it. Brownie batter has always been a great one. Their puff is now a gluten-free and that one is 140, 17 with six grams of sugar. Maybe it doesn't matter to you. It does matter to me. They're always doing new flavors, new things to check out over at BuiltBar.com. The promo code is LOCK15, or or if you don't want to wait, you don't want to place an order, you can go today to Walmart and get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double, choc- double chocolate, the new and improved one, or coconut puffs. Or you can go to Sam's Club and get a 13-box flavor with hit favorites, brownie batter, and churro. I'm a big fan of the churro. So those, I believe, are in the pharmacy section if you want to check those out, or go to BuiltBarber.com and use that promo code Locked on. All right. So JJ Cooper had this great stat over the weekend or before that we just didn't have time to get to it last week. And we didn't want to put it on our extra show, which it sounds like a lot of you enjoyed our extra show last weekend. Thank you for a demanding that and B uh, enjoying it for all your comments on that. We'll continue to do that as long as we have extra topics to get to and there's a demand for it. So uh, the stat though was on started on March 2nd and he updated it March 3rd. So, through spring training games on March 3rd, it should be March 2nd. I don't think all the games have been played by this date. There have been uh, a little under two, I should say a little over one stolen base attempt per game this year uh, in spring training. uh, And that's about one stolen base per game. So 1.19 and then 0.98 per game, and then 2.21 caught per game, uh, which is 82%. That, the highest in-season success rate is ever in the major leagues is 75%. That was 2021. The last time Major League Baseball averaged one stolen base attempt a game was back in 99. So teams are running a lot in spring training, and here's here's what he had through five games. So far, teams are averaging um, 1.16 steals per game in spring training or attempts, and they're successful almost all the time. So it's an 80, it was 80% when he put the stat out. Um, in 2022 spring training, Jeff, it was uh, 0.77 stolen base attempts per game. So we're talking about, you know, a little over one to under one per game. And the success rate was 72.9%. So this is a pretty big jump. Again, 1.16 attempts per game in spring training versus 0.77 attempts it broke down to the year before. So teams are running a lot in spring training. I imagine this is due to... Some of the success rate is probably going to come down when teams get more used to rules, I suppose, and they figure out how to go about this. But um, teams are definitely running more in spring training. Like they're they're going to try this. So I'd imagine the steals, the stolen base attempt rate is going to be pretty high in the regular season. So um, let's give a hot take here. Let's let's uh, go over under with the new rules this year and the stolen base rate going up. Jose Ramirez. 30-30 season, yes or no? Mm, no. And only because I think they might have him hold up a bit at the start of the year. Just with like the risk of sliding and the thumb, he might not have as quite as many green lights because the thought might be it just might be a little bit riskier. So I, I'll say no just because I think there's still some concern with that thumb. You know, he wanted to be in the World Baseball Classic and can't be. So I think... Uh... Yeah. I mean, look, he, he stole 20 a year ago. He, he attempted 27. He was 20 of seven, 20 of 27, pretty good rate. So he, he ran almost ran 30 times last year and he only missed five games. And 
if he's healthy this year and he plays the same amount of games, I think he will run 35 times. His his previous high is 40 attempts. That was back in 2018. Um, he he ran 33, 33 times in 2021. I'm going to say he's going to try to he's going to go 30 for 40 this year. So he's going to have 30 steals and 40 attempts. That's well, I'll say 30 30 for 35. I think he'll. He'll break thirty steals, and I think he'll break thirty home runs. For, for the record, he already does have a thirty thirty season. That was yeah, twenty eighteen. I think he'll have a thirty thirty season. I just um, I just wonder if, like I said, if they're going to not give him the green light as much, just because you know a lot of those plays at second base end up with someone heading sliding I, head first. And I, the risk I think of a thumb jamming is a lot higher. It is, although the bigger bases, who knows? I don't know. And it makes it even not... more likely that you catch your hand on the base because it's bigger. Uh, I guess maybe he could swim more around it. I don't know. I think he's going to get to thirty. I think he has a permanent green light. I, I think for for a guy who had a torn ligament in his thumb and should have had surgery, he said, "No, I'm not having surgery. I'm playing." And they said, "Okay, you're playing." I don't think you're giving that guy a stop sign. I think you're. No, I'm not saying a stop sign, but they also probably are not going to be quite as aggressive as they might have been in the past in terms of relaying the call or pushing it. And he might run on his own, but I don't think they're going to be pushing it as much from the uh, bullpen or from the dugout. Well, I think later in the season, I think he'll just still he'll st- attempt more due to volume, due to the rules. Even if they do put like you know, if they try to tell him to take it easy, I still think he'll run more just because of the rules. They'll make it'll make it a lot. Um, uh, you know, I'd also likely. be curious about where his speed's at. I'm, I'm you know, he's, he's such a smart runner that he always gets an extra base. But you know, just as a player moves into their 30s, you, you wonder if there will be any just natural. I, I'm going to open myself up to hate for saying this, but it's like there might be some a little bit of slowdown just as the player enters their 30s. He, yeah, but it's not like he's never posted elite sprint speed rates. Like it's not like we're talking about a guy who has ever been like a, a blazed blazing runner. He is a good base runner because he's smart and he's got just enough speed. Like I think if you look at his sprint speed numbers, they've been pretty I mean he's like in terms of his intelligence, he's definitely one of the most intelligent he's always like getting that extra base, doing all of those things. He's always like that's I mean he's like 99th percentile for that. All right. 80, um, his sprint speed was 81 last year. last year and I think it was 77 Seven. the year before so it's gotten better. Jeff, it's gotten better. It doesn't always get better, though. Like That's not typical. But it went from, in 2021, it got, okay. So he's in, been in the 70s, high 70s. Last year was a higher sprint speed. But it, again. If it, you go back know. to 2016, it was lower. Last year was his but, highest sprint speed ever, Jeff. It, it was. But, I mean, <laughs> there is like. That's not normal, years. though. That's no, not normal. Not. But that's what I'm saying. You You could see a bit of a. As, okay, you know, especially if he didn't necessarily get to do the full off season that he's used to doing because of, you know, there's it doesn't include some, running though. But, but I mean, I, I mean, he could still do leg work, but you never know how that disrupts things. I'm not saying this is a hater. I'm just saying there, there's a multitude of reasons why. Like, I'm not shocked if he gets to 30, but I also think there's there's a few reasons, mostly thumb related than anything else, that might weirdly uh, pull him back. Just in terms of like, it was a different off season for him. He is getting older. And then just the additional brisk every time you steal a base. Yeah, I, I absolutely disagree with you on this one. That's Shocker, fine. But uh, I, there's no, there is no tightening the rope on this guy. He play, he knows how to play one way. He is, he is the new Grady Sizemore. He plays. Don't say on, that. 
you, you is, you're just gonna this is the beginning of the injury derailment train oh like, don't go there okay you just, he, you just put the i just know. put some dark magic on him i did i did maybe i did i don't know but he this guy only plays one way he's been playing this way since 20 since 2012 since i've seen him and it's it's 100 percent every time jose and has I, always been jose even when he was yeah. in the minors and i was in the minors jose was jose jose does things his own way yeah and very quickly yeah. so okay yeah. he's jose's a freak of nature it's pretty simple. Um, Ahmed Rosario, 18 steals last year, uh, more or less this year. He should get, I mean, I, I'm assuming everyone's are going to go up, but yeah, I, I think he. Uh, really? You think everybody's Andre Semenis 20 is going to go up? Yes. Everyone should go up. Okay. Pitchers can't hold you as tightly. Bases are bigger. Everyone should see an improvement. Like this should be a bonanza. Uh, teams are going to have a hard time adjusting to it. Um I was kind of curious. I actually went and looked at it. Jose Ramirez's sprint speed last year was 28.5, which was the highest feet per second of his career. His low uh, was in the COVID year at 27.2. So he has been between 27.2 and 28.5 for his entire career. Sprint speed is not always an accurate de- uh, depictment of speed, especially on the bases either, what's especially really, when you're stealing. What's really fascinating is his time to first base was like a 4.22, which was pretty significant improvement. So for whatever reason, getting out, he got out of the box faster than he ever got out last year. He had more bolts than he's ever had. So I don't know, you know, but that's because, well, I'm not saying it's because, but remember Terry Francona did say like, we're going to be a team that hustles and runs yeah. and that, and that embodiment has to start with Jose Ramirez. Yep. It trickles down everybody else. And he busted his, you know what last year. And, I don't know. I don't think you're keeping this guy the brakes on him. I think he's going to do what he wants. I think he's going to get to 30-30 this year. I would love to see Jose or Andres get to more than 20 steals, Quan more than 20. I'll, I'll come back with some math tomorrow and see how the Guardians are doing still, still in base-wise in spring training and see I, I, I I'm betting last year. I'm betting they will steal 30 more, 30 to 30, 30 to 40 more bases this year than last year as a team. That's, that's my bold prediction right now. But We'll get into some, uh, we got some talk about what do you do about henches? What do you do about henches? But first, we're going to talk about one of our other fantastic sponsors. And if you know me, you know I love a new and or returning sponsor. And we have a returner today. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps people find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, So head over to LinkedIn jobs, add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience. You can quite quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So if you're a baseball team, you'd be looking for programming languages and knowledge of advanced statistics. Sorry, everyone who does not like that. It's a small, it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash lockdown MLB. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Well, we don't know how long Save Hunches is going to be out for. It, it's a week-to-week situation, and we kind of addressed this a couple episodes ago, but people wanted us to go a little more in-depth on, you know, what what can happen for the, the Guardians as far as outfield – or outfield, I'm sorry, uh, left, left-handed relief options. Outfield on the mind. Yeah, uh, left, left-handed relief options behind 
Sam Henches if he is out for an extended amount of time. My my only thought really here is it's got to start with Tim Heron, right? Like I know maybe Cleveland will be reluctant to um, throw a rookie in on opening day in the bullpen as a lefty, but I don't really see a better option to start the season. Like I know you'll probably say Connor Pilkington, but he's never really been a reliever. And I think they need, and I know they've got Curry and they've got Gaddis um, as guys who have experience as, as a six starter and um, Joey Cantillo is on the 40, but I don't, I don't think they're going to necessarily turn to him early on. So I don't, I don't think they're going to go ahead and say, okay, Connor Pilkington, you are a left-handed reliever in April to start the year. I think it's going to be Tim Heron to start the year in the bullpen. I don't think he has done anything in camp to say he can't be. Um, I think they'll evaluate their options throughout the year, but I think I think the first job starts with with Tim Heron, and we can we're going to go through some other options throughout the year, but or that we're going to talk about. But I don't see any way that Tim Heron there's another option unless they trade for somebody, unless they sign somebody, or they make a different move in, in the house. I don't see any way it's not Tim Heron as first up for this spot. You know, it's kind of funny uh, just because, you know, going to MLB trade rumors when it happened, uh, which is a site I do enjoy checking out. Um, but they talked about, you know, who are the options externally? And their list was Brad Hand, Will Smith, and uh, Zach Britton. Now, Brad Hand um, had a very Brad Handian season last year. And Will Smith was actually great once he got to Houston. And uh, Zach Britton has just been hurt basically consistently since 2020. Uh, but what was funny was like, we talked about how we were going to discuss it. Then we ran out of time last week and promptly Saturday morning, Brad hand and Will Smith signed. So like, if you wanted to go out and get someone, the market is even smaller and I'd have to go and look, but I mean, Brad hand didn't get that much less than Andrew Chafin got like it was, they were pretty close. Um, and I know people will talk about, oh, they missed out there. Didn't you I can't. say Andrew Chafin? Yes, but like at the same and that time, was before, like, that was before the Hench's injury. Yeah, but it's still kind of, if you look at where this team was heading into camp, it's, it's great to have depth, don't get me wrong, but like there wasn't necessarily a need. Like one could argue this is still their greatest depth point is the bullpen in general. You know, it's like Hench's and Morris were lining up to be part of it now. They're down to, and... It does make sense to go with Heron. Um, oh, no. I lost Jeff on my end. I hope he's still there on the other end. Uh, oh, oh you're my back, back, Jeff. Yeah, sure. So back. it's like, yeah, I was saying, you know, you were talking about Heron. Um, you know, I'll argue against the idea that, you know, Pilkington hasn't done it with like Sam Henches really hadn't done it. Like he had done it very little before he came in last year into spring and they put him in that role. If they wanted to put him in that role and try it, maybe. You could see that work. And then, like, you know, you have Gaddis and Curry as, as your six, seven guys. Um, it's hard to find anyone you're going to add there. Like, who are you going to let go to get a lefty? And, and it's that same problem that we've seen all offseason where I don't even think the money was the reason they didn't get Chafin. I think the reason they didn't chase any of these relievers was the 40 man and just not wanting to cut anyone loose. And, you know, I think they did a smart trade with Will Benson because they were in an untenable situation and they gave up potential ceiling um, for more. Uh, they gave up a higher floor. I don't even know if I'd say that Benson's there. They gave up, you know, ceiling and certainty for a little bit of breathing room, right? Then they immediately filled it with Jason Billis. And we'll have to see. Maybe they, 
do they run with with you know without the without a lefty that seems like something they wouldn't do so it's like it does feel like hey tim heron here's your spot i thought he had a chance to make the team just because i thought tito might like two lefties i know it wasn't great numbers in triple a for him last year but nobody had great numbers in triple a so don't get suckered in by those but it, the other problem too on top of this is when you look at where they are when you look at sam Hentges being hurt the the underrated aspect of this is like who could have been that that extra guy it might have been andrew musiasic if he wasn't hurt you know he is that lefty who who has been really effective in double he was the the rare guy who went from double a to triple a and didn't miss a beat his stuff shouldn't work yet it does like i would love to see what his spin data is um you know he seems like one of those players who just seems to perform every single time and he might have been that guy he but now they are down him as well and they don't really have a great option so yeah i agree i think it's it's probably tim heron all the way i do think pilkington could play up as a reliever a la henches but i don't think the guardians are, are i think i'm alone in that thought i don't think they agree with me i think they're set with him as a starter so yeah I, I, there really isn't too much there and like i said I, I think adding a reliever wasn't i think it was just because they're so up against it they need to make another Will Benson or two trade. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Palacios. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Rocchio and Tina and Martinez. They have too many infielders right now. Um, and I know a lot of people got mad at last week's show and we said, hey, it seems like they like Ahmed. Would they consider extending him? I'm like, you know, people took that as us saying we would extend him. I don't know what I would do with them in that situation. I've been accused of being like a big Ahmed hater all my life. So it's kind of funny when it's like people think that I'm saying sign him. But like they, they have they have too many infielders on the roster. And that's not even talking about Gabby and Freeman. And they essentially need to figure something out. Like I am all for trying to figure out a team that's got a comp B pick and, and flipping Dana for that or, or trying to do something like that to help alleviate because they need some more breathing room because, I mean, that, that's why they don't have lefty depth. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Bargar is on is on the roster he's gotten a lot of time there's philip deal there's uh other guys who have been in the spring roster that have gotten playing time i just don't see adding them i don't see <clears throat> how it really helps them it would have been it would have been missy Asik, so i don't know okay caleb Sinson is not is a righty i think so you know, yeah you're not worrying about him as far as the lefty goes i mean i would agree with you pilkington would be an interesting option i wouldn't be against it personally but i think for right now for their needs they need to keep him stretched out as a starter that's my only hesitation here unfortunately um yeah i mean it's going to be him i don't think cantillo early on is going to be an option maybe later in the year agreed <laughs> maybe later in the year they now it's too soon for them to turn doug nicasey into a bullpen option they won't do it even if he struggles this year i think we're still a ways down the road for that as and much they don't as even have to add him for a while like <laughs> right so that's just not happening yeah. so yeah i think i think right now it's it's Heron. I don't think any of the guys on minor league deals that have come into camp have earned their way on the roster yet. Maybe we'll see. Maybe they'll they'll do it for now to have someone, you know, to create roster fodder later on just to have him on there. And it depends on how serious the Hench's situation is. Like, look, if Hench's has to go in the 60-day IL, maybe Berger or Deal gets on the roster and they see how it goes and, you know, gives them roster fodder for later to move around. They have to, I think they have to DFA Jason Billis if they're going to get another lefty on the roster somehow. Uh, like I said, I just wish even before the injury, they would have signed another lefty, whether it was Chapin or, or in bringing Zach Britton into minor league camp on a, um, a minor league roster. Maybe they still can, but they definitely 
the options aren't good early on. Throughout the year, it could get better, but I think the hope is that Hench's heals quickly because, uh, yeah, the options aren't good. He was a big part of the bullpen, but I still think Tim Heron some, at some point this year will play a huge role for them. Yeah. I, I think for no other reason than they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it is funny to go look at the minors. We don't have time to really dig in. It's like Adam Scott might be the next lefty up in terms of guys who are in triple A. Boy, he's bad now. I, he, I feel bad was, for Adam Scott. He was, he I was on my radar a year ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same here. And he just wasn't good. It, last it just year. wasn't good. That, you know, he, he had a bait and field type of situation year. Um, but yeah, that's, it's going to be something to watch. We will get into this situation more as camp unfolds, as we get a chance to see more, as we get more news. We want to thank you for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading. It helps. Uh, check out every show, get a friend to watch and listen, and go, go, Guardians, go.